Okay, so another supplement. I've decided to start alternating one week regular episode, one week supplements. I think that I can be more consistent with uh, the output if I do it this way. Um, Because I realize I'm very inconsistent and I'm like, if I liked a podcast and it was that inconsistent, I'd probably just get uninterested. Um, Also, I noticed a lot of you guys aren't listening in order and that's fine. So I'm going to have to repeat myself a lot. Um, but I did at the beginning, I was like, all right, I'm going to lay it out like a curriculum. And then I realized like nobody's listening to it in order. So anyway, uh, the episode I released, uh, this week was, um, grace and I want to add something to grace. And I also want to talk about hope. Um, so I'm not very familiar with Greek mythology. I would like to get more familiar with it, especially since I've been into this book called uh, The Immortality Key by Brian... I don't know. It's a weird last name. Um, but he talks about... It's a book about the psychedelic influence on religion, on the Greeks, on the mysteries of Eleusis. Fuck, I'm not even going to try to use my marble mouth to explain it, but he's never done psychedelics. So it's a very, uh, very good book. It's, he's not just a stoner that's writing about it. Uh, he's a linguist. He, uh, studies languages and now he's using like this kind of like, like, uh, I don't know, it's forensic archeology span where he's having like all of these pots scraped and tested and they find uh, ergot and, and psilocybin in these things, and then they find like in those those um, the thing that the, the priest swings with the incense in it. They find THC in those, which I mean, the second I heard that, I was like, "Wouldn't you have to be stoned?" <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I want to get more into Greek mythology. I think there's a lot of interesting allegory there. I don't know a ton about Greek mythology, but I've, you know, got a lot of stoicism under my belt and some philosophy there. But um, this client was talking to me about the story of, well, actually how it got started was there was some other, there was a bunch of clients out there. Um, We attempted to take clients snorkeling at this reef, but the wind kicked up and the waves got really big. And we tried to take them anyway, and the lifeguard was like, nah, it's not a good idea. So we didn't, and instead we just played the surf. But these gals that had been with us at this one facility and then uh, decided to do more work at this other facility that that Troy and I deal with, they were saying how they missed Troy and I's groups, that, you know, ours were so much more informative, and da-da-da-da. Because to be frank, they are. Like, we we do a good good group session. but she goes, you know, they put all the women in one group and they were going to have this gender specific female group and they wanted us to bake a cake of self-care, which I think in their minds, that's the first ding, especially for me. I was like, the women are going to bake a cake. Like, did the guys like fight a bear of self-love? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But she goes, the girl was like, man, she's like, and the first ingredient they wanted to put in the self-care cake was hope. 
And apparently she had raised her hand and said, hope is bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, and we started laughing because that's kind of the way I look at the word hope is that it's bullshit. That's like trying, like, you know, like if you ask me to pick you up at the airport and I go, I'll try. And then you get there and you ask if I'm going to be able to, and I go, I hope so. You ask me if I'm going to be faithful to you, if I'm going to, you know, are you going to cheat on me? I hope not. Or are you going to be faithful? I hope so. I'm going to try. Like, it's just, they're filled with doubt. There are words that are filled with doubt. Um, but this fellow that was with us, uh, he didn't have, I didn't know him. He was a client that I just, I never had. And he said, you know, in the Greek uh, legend of Pandora, uh, the box is filled with, you know, the evils of the world. And she opens up the lid and releases the evils of the world, but then slams it shut before one thing can get out. And he asked me, he goes, what do you think the one thing was? I was like, I, I, I have no idea. He goes, hope. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, hope was the last thing. Hope was in the box of the evils of the world. I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. So I went home and I start Googling and reading these papers that people had written about it. And all of them essentially said the same thing. They said, well, because hope is going to be the last thing left to defeat the evils of the world. Um, look, in my opinion, that sounds like a soft bellied, flimsy bullshit response. Um, the Greeks were not those people. That was not the way the Greeks saw the world. Um, these were tough people. And when you think about, like, no professional athlete enters into a ring, a cage, a court, or a field with hope. Their mind goes, nope, this is happening. They don't walk out there and go, all right, guys, I hope we can do this. Or, all right, fellas, let's try our best. That's not happening. Like, these men and women that lock themselves in a cage with somebody else and beat their brains out of each other, are they're not walking in there going, I sure hope I do well. Nope. Everyone around them, that's that like their family members, are like, oh, I really hope they don't get hurt. Do you, I hope you can hear the difference in this, right? because there's a piece of me that doubts that some of you do hear the difference in this. Um, hope is filled with doubt, right? Um, and it's a simple twist of the mind to go from hope to, I'm just going to decide, you know? Um, you know, if I, if, you know, you, if we're in a relationship and I'm trying to be a more reliable partner and I hope I'm going to be more reliable or I decide that I am like, that's it. I hope, I hope you guys can understand what I'm saying. You know, um, look at the way we use these words. Like when we're using these words, you know, like, cause I do, I hope that you understand what I'm saying. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. So when I talk about myself and my abilities and what I'm capable of, and I go, I sure hope so. It may be because in the past I did fail over and over again. Right. And that's fine. And I think I mentioned this before that if, if it's that, um, 
that uh, if it feels like a lie, right, or it's you know, it's hope because in the past, da, 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 I get it because it's incongruent with the pattern in which your mind is laying out reality, the way your mind, the pattern that your mind looks for within your own abilities and things like this. That makes sense, right? But let's think about it for a second, right? Um, personally, I have a situation right now that's very lovely and very beautiful. I'm excited for it. Um, and the second hope comes up, I squash it and I replace it with, yes, this is happening. It's going to go this way. And I'm going to do my absolute best to make sure that it does go that way. And then if it doesn't, that's fine. But if I sit here wringing my hands, like, I sure hope so. You get the way I'm, I'm using this, I'm, I'm sure. So, <clears throat> back to grace. Um, I don't think, no, I don't think I mentioned this in the episode. But I feel like I've mentioned it. Another, man, see, again, i got to stop giving a shit whether I repeat myself or not. Um, there's a quote by Chogim Trungpa that I'm pretty sure I'm going to, that I'm misquoting it or something. But he said... Something to the effect that you march headlong into disappointment and leave hope behind. Um, this goes to his um, his way of looking at practice, the way his way of looking at the spiritual path as a path of warriorship. He saw he saw meditation and these things as the path of warriorship bravery. When you look at the Carlos Castaneda books, one thing that Juan Matus, his shaman, is saying to me, he's like, you're no warrior. He's challenging. He's like, you're not a warrior. He's essentially like, you're soft. You're not a warrior. When Chogyam says, I mean, even the way Chogyam describes the meditation posture, he calls meditation a warrior's activity. Right? That the back is straight because it bears the weight of the world, the weight of compassion, no matter what. The front is soft because it's fearless. It's afraid of nothing and knows that nothing can kill it. Our hands aren't crossed because we're not afraid. We're open. The metaphor of openness, our eyes are open because we're not afraid. To, we don't close our eyes to the pain and suffering. We look directly at it. That's why shamatha is done the way it's done, right? And that was, uh, and you go back to like asanas and, and things, and it's like, yeah, this this is a living prayer. This posture is a prayer. Um, but when he talks about marching headlong into disappointment and leaving hope behind, there's something that's required there. If you are going to do something anyway, knowing the potential for pain, that requires something that very few people have. And that's fearlessness. To be completely and utterly fucking fearless. I sure hope so. What? That you can hear it, man. Um, when it comes to relationship, we've all been hurt. Everybody's felt heartache. Some of you guard your heart can tell you I don't guard mine. I just go for it. Fuck it. Let's see what happens. I wouldn't say I fall in love easily, but I would say that, fuck it. Let's find out what happens. Right? 
worst case scenario, it hurts. And then it doesn't. Um, I don't experience guilt, shame, and regret. Um, I just don't. And believe it or not, I have a very good friend, a therapist I've worked with for years, and he's always trying to prove to me that I experience guilt. <laughs> the closest we got to it was allegiance. I feel allegiance, <laughs> but I don't feel guilt. Um, meaning that, like, you know, my first marriage, I, I stayed out of allegiance. It wasn't... Because what I described was like, you know, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, well, that's guilt. I was like, no, it's not that. And then somebody at the table goes, no, he's experiencing allegiance, which isn't guilt. Um, but I'm not a robot. Uh, my friend Troy, uh, as Kant, like, doesn't believe I've ever... I think he thinks that I am a, a cyborg, which I'm not. And I hope you listen to this, motherfucker. I'm not a cyborg. I just don't get, you know, overwhelmed. The way, like he always says, I hover at a three, and I do. I, I dip into fours and twos, but you know, I'm at a three most of the time. Um, so, oh man, I'm driving down the beach road, and um, I'm on Palm Beach Island. And uh, to all of you that come down here and visit, just act like you've been here before. Act like you've been in nice weather. Yeah, just. Just act like you've been here before. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, <laughs> to, to see this from a local's perspective is quite funny sometimes. Um, oh, sunshine. Yeah, it's sunny. Sunshine State. So, um, <laughs> this, uh, uh, it requires fearlessness to, to keep an open heart. I decided that a long time ago. I decided that after my first divorce where I was like, you know what? fuck it, man. I'm never going to shut down to it, which is probably how I ended up in that second marriage, which was a mulligan and a big fucking whoopsie-do. But, uh, you know, you live and you learn. Um, yeah, you stay open. Because what you know is that, that the pain is grace. On the other side of pain is grace. Where I'm at, you know, in, in the situation that I'm in personally right now, like a situation that sounds like I'm, I'm my back's against the wall, <laughs> but I'm embarking on a new adventure. And, and it's been a year of adventures. Like Troy and I moved uh, to a different facility, a different company altogether, which is insanely supportive of us. And it's fantastic and it feels wonderful. There's people there that support our adventure stuff people that support the things we talk about, uh, people that support me doing rapid resolution therapy. Uh, the therapists are insanely supportive. They'll throw anything at anybody just to give them a little bit of help. They don't give a shit whether it's billable or not. Um, so there's that, which has been very uh, tiring, emotionally exhausting, even though it's good. You know how it is. Like you, you know. So this year's been tiring. Um, and then uh, also now there's this, like, I had kind of resigned to the fact that I'll, like, dating wasn't, like, on my mind. It's like, you know what, this doesn't generally work out for me, and I think it's because I've just tweaked my brain into craziness, but, um, sorry, I just drank a bang 
and uh, took my supplements, so I'm burping up fish oil. Um, <laughs> thank God I love that taste, right? I love sardines and like salmon. <laughs> but uh, so I'm embarking on this thing, right? Uh, an adventure. It's another adventure. It's a personal adventure. An adventure uh, dealing with you know emotions and feelings and attraction and there is the potential for beauty and there is the potential for pain um, and I remember my mother said this when I met my first wife we met when I was on tour and um, we barely knew each other she was 21 I was 23 and you know, some of you are young and at 45, when I look at a 21 year old or a 23, I'm like, man, you're so like, you're a baby still. But when you're 23, like I am a fucking man. Then you turn 45, like I was a fucking teenager, (laughs) you know, especially nowadays, there's such the potential for suspended adolescence. But, um, my mom sat me down. My dad called it playing house. My dad was like, Oh, y'all want to play house now, huh? Y'all gonna play house. And I was like, no, I'm in love. And and uh, my mom sat me down and she goes, I'll spare you the southern accent that she had, but she would say, um, she goes, if this goes as well as it could, if everything works out, one of you gets to watch the other one die. If the love of your life works out perfectly, think about that you fall in love and you're like this is the one this is it one of you gets to watch the other one die or or you break up so there is heartache at the end of this regardless of how you look at it there's discomfort and there's pain but the mind is going to feel pain the body is going to respond to that but the whole time the soul just doesn't care So this is that moment where you have a foot in soul and a foot in the mind and, and that kind of stuff, you know, like you live in that place, but leaning into something with potential pain and potential discomfort, I know for it. So this is, I said this in that episode that what I've learned or what has happened as a result of the understanding of grace being suffering, grace being pain, grace is heartache, is that, um, like, I'm curious about it now. Everything that happens, I know, leads to this next big thing, or next great thing, or it learns to, or it leans, or it, it leads to more skillful behavior. And then I just get better at life. We just get better at life we have this other thing that that works into our karma and this event leads to this thing and then this thing. You know? um, In the way I look back at my life so many times, you know, at the, when I'm on the crest of this, of a thing, it's like, man, if this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened, you know, like, I know I wouldn't be working in the field I'm working in if one of my best friends hadn't been locked away in a treatment center. Like, it's just, 
it's these little things in life, you know, like, like when I think about, like when I'm doing RRT, rapid resolution therapy, which is a trauma therapy that I should probably do a whole thing on that and just explain it because, yeah, I should do it and maybe offer it to y'all. Um, I generally do it for free unless I'm at work, obviously, but I see most people for free unless they, you know, unless they want to, they insist on money, then I, you know, like, here's my Venmo, give me what you can. Um, but, um, I deal with a lot of people with some pretty horrible stories, things that there's one that I have that I've told one person and that's it. Like, I'm not going to burden anyone else's brain with this shit. But, you know, you got to unload it somehow at some point. Um, we don't use names, relax. Um, but uh, if the things that happen, <clears throat> the things that happened to me as a kid happened to me because it happened to my parents. So my parents put me in that situation because of what happened to them and they thought I would be safe. And it turns out I wasn't. Um, and right now I use that so often to help people with their own childhood abuse and things like that. I, I self-disclose all the time. I don't give them, you don't get the gory details, but I self-disclose this week to explain something to somebody. I did give one detail of a thing and that detail the way, and it's not that I shared, they're like, oh, I feel heard. It's not that. It's that I explained to them how my mind puts this event together and then gives them an example, that shows them an example. So they go, oh, so if I do this with my mind, I run my event through this same formula, then they get relief. And that wouldn't happen for them if it hadn't happened to my parents. Bottom line. And then you can look at if their parents had been better parents, legitimately, like, because they're, they're, my, my grandparents were not good parents. They're fantastic grandparents, but they were horrible fucking parents. Horrible parents. Like, put you in jail nowadays, kind of horrible parents. Um, I mean, even my mother, like, if, you know, like, she could have gone to jail. She beat the shit out of me. But, so, yeah, man. And that's grace because the life I have now, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And I've had to eat some shit sandwiches and that's fine. So now when I get served a shit sandwich, I'm more curious about it. Like, what's this going to do? How's this going to come out? (laughs) Um, if I eat this, what's going to be the end result? Um, yeah, I think that there's more suffering in your life as a human trying to avoid the discomfort and the potential pain. Pain is just grace, you know? Like, you don't get stronger by, you know, say you want to build muscle. Do you lift lighter shit? You want to run further. You just, I don't know, run less every day? No, you have to, in my experience, you have to find out that threshold. Like, you, you know, um, like whether it was jujitsu or running or kickboxing or fucking skateboarding, name it. Like 
you get to these places where like, oh, I can't do anything other than this. I can't do better than this. I can't, like, I don't have anything left in the tank. I don't have another gear. And then one day you are forced to use that gear. And then the nervous system goes, oh, we have more in the tank. The same thing is with heartache. You know, like when I, the death of my dad, the whole time I was thinking, I'm going to have to do this again. I'm going to have to do this again. I'm going to have to do this again. And so I really soaked it up with my dad. Like everything I wanted it all. And then when my mom died, there was a level of confidence. Like I know it'll be okay. I know that I will be okay. I know that because that's one of the things when someone dies that's really close to you. It's like, well, Christmas is fucked. You know, like the holidays are going to be strange forever. Especially my dad let me know he was dying the day before Thanksgiving. I came down to visit from Gainesville. He goes, he let me, I came in the house, my, my ex-wife into it. And I walk in and the house just feels very off. It's very quiet, just strange. And then my dad goes, your mama and I have something we got to tell you. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I knew it was something. I knew I knew it had to be something like that. And yeah, and he goes, uh, went to the doctor. And actually, my mom started. No, my dad started the story. My mom finished. My dad couldn't talk. He just started crying, which was very, very bizarre. I'd seen my dad cry at my grandmother's funeral when my mom's mom died. But, like, other than that, like. And even, it was so weird. I remember being a kid watching him cry and thinking, is he crying? Like, it looked so weird. It was so incongruent in my mind. I was like, huh, is that dad crying? My dad was a Marine at the end of the Korean War. Like, he was in, the, like, the last parts of the Korean War. And he was just, you know. My dad believed everyone that wasn't a Marine during Korea was probably a gay communist drug dealer. So I spent most of my life trying to prove to him that I wasn't a gay communist drug dealer. Uh, that was his biggest fear in life, which, you know, in hindsight, wasn't that bad, right? Uh, so um, they told me this, and then my dad goes, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody? You put, you drop the biggest bomb on me, and then you tell me not to tell anybody. And so I went to Thanksgiving sitting on that. And my cousins, I think I ended up telling my cousin Katie. I think I told her. And, um, and she was like, well, he's probably going to die. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And then the joke, once everybody found out, the joke was, you know, my dad's name was Keith as well. His nickname was Onion. My nickname is Kit. His nickname is Onion. They'd be like, well, Onion's... So fucking mean. I don't think that cancer knows what it's got, <laughs> what it's in for. And uh, yeah, his oncologist killed it. He lived five more years. But um, you go through that, right? You go through each pain because there's going to be more pain to come, right? It's like when I talk about conflict resolution at work. It's like I'm not resolving this conflict necessarily for this conflict's sake. I'm sharpening my sword on each conflict so that it gets easier each time so that that improves my life so that I have an easier time here or a more skillful time. I don't know. You got to do both, I guess. But, um, yeah, that prepared me for my mom. 
right? Like all the pain and the worry is like, fuck, you know, holidays are going to be weird. And I now know that, you know, that's, you know, this date is always going to be strange and this is always going to be strange. And, and here's the other thing I thought a lot when my mom was dying, it was like, fuck man, like I don't have parents and I felt bad. And I'll be honest with you right now, I'm psyched. My parents are dead and my dog's dead and I live alone and I'm free as a fucking bird. So, you know, I don't have to check in on anybody. I don't have to rush home and feed anything. And that sounds bad, but that's, what am I going to do? What's the option? I wring my hands over it? No, you better find the fucking upside, dude, because, you know, the, the sadness is easy. Like, that's easy. Any, any dipshit can do that. Like, any idiot can get sad. You know, it's like writing songs. Sad songs are easy as shit to write, you know? Write me a good happy tune, make it sound a little dark, and you got me, right? So, so that marching headlong into disappointment, leaving hope behind, that's very, that's the first two noble truths. Life is fundamentally unsatisfying. Life is a lot of suffering. Life is a lot of discomfort. Life in form, in the body, in three-dimensional reality will always include hardship. But where your attention goes, your energy flows, right? I notice a lot of y'all want to, like, some of these fucking memes that get posted. I'm like, who are you talking to? It sounds like you're trying to talk yourself into something. So just talk yourself into it. Leave me out of it. Um... Yeah, this weird, like, uh, these, like, schizophrenic posts of, like, it's all dog shit. I'm so positive. It's all dog shit. I'm so positive. Um, it's both, right? It's dog shit and it's positive. I don't know. I get irritated with the internet sometimes. The toxic positivity and the spiritual bypassing is pretty thick sometimes. Yeah. The, like the classic meditation selfie. I love it. Let me set this camera up before I start. Like, your practice should be private, by the way. It's private. It's between you and Krishna or you and yourself or whatever. But, you know, although I do like a good, I mean, I, Kirtan. Kirtan's Kirtan. It's a good time. But, um, so that headlong into disappointment, leave hope behind. You know, Chogi me say it a lot. He said, become hopeless. Hopeless. And I had a client the other day say something really good when I was, I was bagging on hope. And he goes, you know what, man? It's funny because I, I deal with a lot of VA guys and, you know, a few gals, but a lot of, like, uh, in the past there was more, like, uh, special forces dudes and shit, but... This guy, I think this guy's VA. I don't know what the fuck his deal is. Anyway, but he says, uh, he goes, hope is not a strategy. I was like, damn, dude. That is fucking real. Hope is not a strategy. I like that. Like, hope isn't like a plan. It's not you doing something, right? There's something about, I was in the nursing office the other day. I apparently sent an email worded improperly and got everybody in a kerfuffle. Um, but uh, while I'm taking this beating from these nurses, 
I looked up at the wall and it said something about like hope is greater than fear and all I could think was like nah hope is fear <laughs> anyway um, pain is grace suffering is grace hope is doubt trying is doubt right be confident give it your all leave it all on the mat leave it all on the field whatever your thing is and uh, just do what you can you know you just swing your hardest you know and um, let the chips fall man I mean that's what I'm going to do my situation is just do my best you know, my best changes. But right now, my best is relative, and it's, it is what it is. And I feel confident. I feel good. I'm going to stay that way. And you can, what if and what about, and yeah, but me to death. But I'm just going to keep choosing confidence and start to, to shape my reality with this situation. You know? guys talk about manifesting all the time and talk about attraction and all this other bullshit but nobody, you know, but you're all still filled with doubt you know, we talked about that in that, I can't remember which episode but the idea of killing doubt is what gets in the way of the mind finding opportunity so alright, that's it